Hi, with Julian on the Brown Note on Radio Northern Beaches and on the Brown Note podcast, YouTube style. Um, this is a week that the longest war in American history is de facto over. The war in Afghanistan, which is kind of the beginning of the century, which is kind of started with a bang with September the 11th. But I wanted to have a look back at how the modern world has been formed in part by Islamic extremism and how America is the most culpable party in this. And part of it is um, their foreign policy over many decades has been largely as a result of their opposition to Russia. They have fomented Islamism, and I don't mean Islamic extremism as in hardline religious beliefs, but as in military action, which grew up in places like Egypt through the Muslim Brotherhood and so on. And how America has continually been on that side and ended up fighting the very people it created. Operation Cyclone, if you don't know, was at the time from 1979 to 1989, was the longest running and most expensive CIA operation ever. Uh, the code name for the United States Central Intelligence Agency program to arm, finance and train the Mujahideen in Afghanistan from 79 to 89 prior to and during the military intervention by the then Soviet Union to support its client, the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan. A lot of that's in, in inverted commas as far as a client goes. Uh, it was one of the most longest, long and expensive covert CIA operations ever undertaken. Funding began with 695000 in 1979, Increased dramatically 20 to 30 million per year in 1980 when Reagan took over and rose to an astonishing $630 million a year in 1987. Described as the biggest bequest to any third world insurgency, funding continued, albeit reduced, after the Soviet withdrawal as the Mujahideen continued to battle the forces of the then president um, during the Afghan civil war. And um, this is all, we, we've looked at the modern era through the American frame, which is that we, I mean, no one believes America brings democracy around the world. I think we're all well versed in the fact that they normally side with the dictator because that suits their business interests and the people that they're normally fighting are the populist socialist people that put the people first and kick out American companies. Both Fidel Castro and Ho Chi Minh went to America for support before they ended up in Russia's arms. Neither particularly wanted to be in Russia's arms. But of course, their ideas on public ownership and the like were immediately made them cast aside as enemies. Now, Afghanistan was a unique proposition. Uh, it's right in the middle of the Middle East. It's got India and the top of the very volatile top of Pakistan on one side, Russia on the other. It is a remarkable place, or was. In the 1930s in Afghanistan, they actually came up with a constitution that mandated that women should be educated. They were, as many people have seen in those 1970s pictures of Kabul, 
an amazingly progressive Western looking, just like Iran and just like uh, Baghdad, even under Saddam, they were not a hardline Sharia place where all you saw were people wearing full coverings walking around the street. Um, there was a coup um, towards the end of the 70s. The um, PDPA came together, who were regarded as communists and took over in Afghanistan, um, where things were going pretty well, to be honest. Um, they ousted the government of Mohammed Dawood Khan, um, and they had uh, some contentious problems with regards to the policies that they brought in. Equal, <laughs> equal rights to women, universal education and land reform. Now, America had this being in its bonnet that they were the enemy because the Soviets fancied them. For some reason, the Soviets have always liked those people more than the Islamists on their border. And America has supported the Islamists on the border over and over again. The people that were fighting this horrible communist equal rights to women and, um, do you know, in like 1980, half of the surgeons in hospitals in Afghanistan were women. Half of the university students in Afghanistan were women. How do you think it looks after American intervention, not once, but twice over multiple decades? They were fought then by the Mujahideen, who emerged from the north of Pakistan, the uh, Pashtan area, which is... Kind of weird because we don't talk about the fact that the Pashtun tribes actually have a completely deep, different belief system to the Sharia Islamic belief system, which actually predates it by centuries. And is often a lot more honourable. They can't, you can be their enemy and turn up on their doorstep and it's the law that they have to take you in and look after you. Um, so they were fighting the Mujahideen. The Americans were supporting them with military training Ronald Reagan said about the f proud freedom fighters of Afghanistan, eventually these are the people that became the Taliban. <clears throat> and also the people that were arming and training and funding the initial Mujahideen included Osama bin Laden, right from the get-go. He was in Afghanistan or supporting them in Afghanistan from the very end of the 70s. And he was training and um, uh, equipping his army inside Afghanistan the whole time that America was funding, arming, and training them. Um, Osama bin Laden, originally from a wealthy Saudi family, was pro a prominent organizer and financer of all Arab Islamist groups of foreign volunteers in Afghanistan. Uh, his uh, group funneled money, arms, and Muslim fighters from around the world into Afghanistan with the assistance and support of the Saudi and Pakistani governments, the fighters became known as the Afghan Arabs. After several years of devastating fighting in a small Pashtun village, a mullah named Muhammad Omar seized a new armed movement with the backing of Pakistan using a lot of um, people that were fighting for the Mujahideen and formed the Taliban. Uh, Referring to how most Taliban had grown up in refugee camps in Pakistan during the 80s and were taught in the Saudi-backed Wahhabi madrasas, religious schools known for teaching fundamentalism. About 90,000 Afghans, including Omar, were trained by Pakistani's ISI. British professor Carol Hillenbrand concluded the Taliban have risen from the US-Saudi-Pakistan-supported uh, Mujahideen. We help the West help the Taliban to fight the Soviet takeover of Afghanistan. A senior delegate 
Um, I'll go through, actually. Um, now, was the war in Afghanistan an illegal thing? Yes, it was. It was illegal because it didn't meet the UN Charter on War, uh, a treaty ratified by the, by the United States and thus part of US law. Under the Charter, a country can use armed forces against another country only in self-defence or when the Security Council approves. Neither of those conditions was met before the United States invaded Afghanistan. The Taliban did not attack America on 9-11. 19 men, 15 from Saudi Arabia, America's friend, did. And there was no imminent threat that Afghanistan would attack America or another UN member country. The Council did not authorise the United States or any other country to use military force against Afghanistan. The US war in Afghanistan is illegal. That's Marjorie Cohen, professor at the Thomas Jefferson School of Law. Now, there's a really good book, Devil's Game, How the United States Helped Unleash Fundamentalist Islam by Robert Dreyfus. And he paints a very long timeline, which I'm going to cherry pick to, because it leads to the Afghan war. In 1933, the Saudis grant oil exploration rights to the United States and the two countries enter a profit-sharing ownership of the Arab American Oil Company, which discovers the first commercial oil well in Saudi in 1938. In 1943, FDR president uh, declares the defense of Saudi Arabia vital to the United States' interests and makes the country eligible for lend-lease assistance. In 1945, the US and Saudi sign an agreement that establishes an American military base in Dharan, which houses American troops until 2003. The Saudis also give the US permission to conduct a thorough survey of the Arab Peninsula, which recommended establishing the airbase. In 52, the CIA in Iran offers money to the Ayatollah Abul Ghassan Kassani mentor of the Ayatollah Khomeini, who would end up leading the revolution against the American-backed Shah uh, about 30 years later. In 1953, the CIA and British intelligence agency MI6 direct a coup against Iran's democratically, first democratically elected prime minister, Mohammad Mossadegh, and restore the pro-Western Shah to power. Mossadegh's nationalisation of Anglo-Persian oil, along with his alliance with the Soviets, had threatened Western interests in Iran. Again, Iran borders Russia, which was then the second most powerful country in the world. Why would they not have an alliance? Uh, in 72, um, oh, in 1953, President Dwight Eisenhower dines at the White House with Saeed Ramadan leader of the Muslim Brotherhood, who are the ground zero for all the Islamist movements today. In 72, the CIA founds the Asia Foundation to fund leaders of the Afghan Islamist movement. Uh, in the same year, a secret military cell is created within the Organization of Muslim Youth, a student group in Afghanistan. The organization requests covert aid from the CIA for its anti-communist activities. And a year later, Afghanistan's Soviet-friendly Prime Minister Sardar Daoud overthrew the Afghan royal royalty, establishing a democratic republic and becoming president. The United States quickly begins funding Afghan dissidents and supporting the radical Islamic party. The CIA partnered with Iran, Iranian and Pakistani intelligence, the latter of which is associated with 
fundamentalist Islamic Afghan groups to run raids and stage a failed coup. Uh, see, they staged a failed coup in Afghanistan in 1934, uh, and that was okay, but they couldn't handle the um, apparent government of the country actually asking for Russian help. In 78, Israel backed the Islamic Association, a mis militant group led by Ahmed Yassin, later the spiritual leader of Hamas. Israel actually helped foment Hamas in the 1980s to attack the PLO. In 1979, President Carter issues the first secret directive that formally authorizes the CIA and gives it direct aid to Afghan Mujahideen, opponents of the pro-Soviet regime. The Soviet invasion invades Afghanistan in December. In 1989, the Islamic Salvation Front is established in Algeria. Uh, 93, following the, for, uh, following the bombing of the New York World Trade Center, Omar Abdul Rahman, a co-founder of the Faisal Islamic Bank of Egypt, who helped the CIA recruit militants uh, for the anti-communist crusade in the Afghan war, was convicted in 95 of involvement in conspiracy. From 94 to 98, the US mains cooperative with, that, with the Taliban, who are increasingly dependent on Osama bin Laden. Uh, members of the Taliban even visit America between 1979 and 99. Uh, they vacation in Nebraska where they visit Thomas Guthrie, a CIA-funded propagandist who produces children's books stocked with Islamic fundamentalism and jihadist rhetoric. They're making children's books with Islamic fundamentalism and jihadism at the CIA to give to children in Afghanistan to become radical Islamists. In 98, Islamic terror groups bombed the Kenyan and Tanzanian U.S. embassies. In 2000, Islamic terrorist groups attacked the USS Cole off of Yemen. And on September the 11th, 2001, Al-Qaeda, formed by ex-Afghan warlord Osama bin Laden, launches a terror attack that started the modern era. And you think with September the 11th, America would have learned its lesson about fermenting Islamists in countries and what that could lead to after starting in 1970, well, not even 1979, starting decades before in fermenting uh, Islamists in Afghanistan and in um, Egypt and anywhere that pointed towards Russia with this pathological desire to go after the Soviet Union, you think with the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1989 that they would have backed off from supporting Islamists who were against Russia, but they didn't stop. They still had their bee in the bonnet about a Russia that was in a different paradigm. They have either supported, they've either put military bases, they've either branded as freedom fighters, people in many countries that are surrounding Russia. Russia is a country that has been fighting Islamists for decades. It has many countries on its borders. Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, where America has either de facto supported regime changes away from the Soviet Union. And many of these countries are completely peaceful and, um, you know, Kazakhstan's supposed to be a wonderful country. Uh, they're all massively Muslim-majority countries. Um, America has always supported whoever was against Russia. And there hasn't been a big problem with these countries. But others, there have been some really dangerous 
Islamic insurgencies that America has really helped foment or support or given credence to on the international stage. Chechnya and Dagestan, they're very failed parts of Russia that um, have enormous uprisings uh, that relate to the jihadis of the Middle East or of Afghanistan. And um, America, you know, try to, has always tried to portray them as freedom fighters, but they portrayed the Mujahideen as freedom fighters two, three decades before. Um, they, they, a lot of the people in the Yugoslav War, the Bosnian Muslims that were fighting, had a lot of overseas fighters join them. And um, these were people that were fighting against the Serbs, who was, I guess, on the side of Russia. Many of those fighters from overseas ended up as Al-Qaeda and Islamic State in Iraq and Syria afterwards. In fact, Australia actually arrested one. I think David Hicks actually went to Bosnia, where he was regarded as a hero for fighting for the Muslims there, to Iraq and Afghanistan, where he was regarded as a traitor to be put in Guantanamo Bay for the rest of his life. Because one, side, one time it was okay and the other it wasn't. And the impact that America has had on its foreign intervention in Iraq has been the biggest boon to Islamic terrorism that there has ever been. We all said it was a terrible idea. It went lock stock with what happened in Afghanistan. And it ended up, like most of the dictators like Saddam Hussein and Gaddafi, are hated by Islamists because they try and run a broadly westernized secular version of a Middle Eastern country or wherever their country is. And they squash these Islamic fundamentalists like crazy. And what happened when we removed Saddam Hussein is Al-Qaeda and Islamic State appeared. And everyone said, you are going to make it. It was the biggest recruitment tool that there could have ever been for Islamic terrorism. And America did it. And we all told them that it would happen, and it happened, and it happened twice. It happened with the enormous amount of support that went to Al-Qaeda, which then spread into different nations, and it happened again with Islamic State, which then spread into different nations. The overthrow of Gaddafi in, Amer in, um, in Libya, after he, he supported terrorism for decades, but he ran a really, like Saddam, he ran a broadly functioning state. His state was a very well-functioning Libya that America then helped bomb back to the Dark Ages, just like in Afghanistan. It stopped being this modern version of Islamic country. And we all lied, or the Western nations lied, and said that Gaddafi is a racist who hurts black people and he's an extremist. All the time, we were actually funneling weaponry and support and air cover, which is a declaration of war, to offshoots of Al-Qaeda and Islamic State, which have turned half the country into a caliphate, which now has actual slavery of black people and open-air slave markets, which hadn't been seen ever under Gaddafi, because none of that happened. He ran a broad church where everyone was welcome, and then suddenly it's now this incredibly dangerous failed state yet again because America went in to support an uprising of Islamic fundamentalists. You would think whilst fighting them in one country, I mean, even in Syria, they fought along the same side as Islamic State because Assad was pro-Russia, Iran, Iran was pro-Russia, 
let's fight along the same side as Islamic State and try and overthrow Assad. Much of the armaments that went to the rebels in Syria who weren't Islamic State then went to Islamic State and their de facto support in America for two, the, probably the two most powerful hardline Islamic nations on earth for funding extremism in other countries, Saudi Arabia and Pakistan, has been relentless. And they just never, ever learn. Now, they said that the Afghanistan war wasn't going to be a new Vietnam. For years, America was scared of Vietnam, ever repeating that debacle of going to a foreign country where people have nowhere else to go, so they will fight forever. And believing that your superiority in military hardware will win the day. It didn't then, and it didn't in Afghanistan. They learnt their lesson. It's, they never went to war properly, overtly, for years after Vietnam, just meddling in other people's affairs. Then the first Gulf War happened around 1990. And they did it right, because they went in and they got the hell out. And everyone said, why would you leave Saddam Hussein in power? And they did so for very good reasons, because the country would become a failed state and Islamists would take over. So what do they do a few years later? They go in, they stay forever, and Islamists take over. They actually dismantled the government and saw the, oversaw the execution of Saddam Hussein, and then the country went to hell in a handbasket, and exactly the same thing happened in Libya. Uh, US combat troops were in Vietnam for eight years, but they have been in Afghanistan for 20 years. It's America's longest war by far. Joe Biden insisted the withdrawal is not quite complete, but the remaining few hundred US troops in Afghanistan are on guard duty only. The abandonment of Bagram Air Base on Friday, just gone, marked the true end of the US military presence in the country. As in Vietnam, the US is leaving after a peace deal with an enemy it tried to destroy and failed. As in Vietnam, the emboldened enemy isn't expected to keep the peace. According to the United Nations, at least 50 of Afghanistan's nearly 400 districts have fallen to the Taliban since May. Rumsfeld thought he could dodge Vietnam's shadow by using small numbers of US special forces in partnership with local warlords, which is exactly how Vietnam started in 1964. Those picking up guns to defend their villages in Afghanistan and many Afghan women and civil society activists now feel betrayed by the departing Americans. 20 years of war and the Islamic insurgency that ended up with the Taliban that they created are funded, armed and trained, including in their midst Osama bin Laden in the 1980s after trying to even have an Islamist coup in the 1970s. America ended up with a 20-year war against the Taliban they created which did absolutely nothing to further the cause of an Afghanistan that they helped destroy and bomb back to the Dark Ages. And now the Taliban are going to be back in control and America is going to leave yet another mess behind because they can't stop meddling in other countries and supporting extremists just because they're on a different side to their enemy. Thanks, America.